And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when Earth's mightiest podcasters found themselves united to have the conversations you always wanted to have about the films you love. With great power comes great responsibility. I just finally know what I have to do. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Avengers! Welcome to the Cult Classic Comics Show. Welcome, everyone, to the Cult Classic Comic Show. I'm your host, Carmelo Chimera. I am Omi Gonzalez. I am Jason Chawala. And I'm Emily Hunter. And today we are talking about the next movie in the Batman franchise, Batman Begins. Uh, who uh, who wants to start with your first impressions? Don't you want to do the synopsis first? Don't you want to tell, well, the, synopsis? You want to tell right. the six people out there who haven't watched the it? Six the six people who haven't seen it? Sure. Um, who wants to do the synopsis? I have been banned. I want to repeat I- you saw me crash and burn last week. Only did the classic guy thing when someone asks him to do something, he does a shitty job at it, so no one ever asks him to do it again. It's like a classic guy move. It's just that we can't give our listeners an Omi to English dictionary, so. <laughs> That's right, I'm the translator. Uh, I'll do it. I mean, I'll do it. It's all right. Uh, Jason just stayed quiet. He tried a different strategy. Jason stayed quiet. Um, uh, Jason did, he didn't do the man thing. He did the teenager thing of like, oh man, the garbage has got to go out. I'm just going to stay in my room out of sight, out of mind. Uh, or it's like, uh, when, when the check arrives to the table, you like, don't reach for your wallet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Or you go real slow. All righty. Just let me reach into my pocket here. Up, oh, up oh, there it is. All right. Yeah. All right. Batman begins. So, uh, Batman begins opens with, uh, um, Bruce Wayne, uh, he's, he's used to be a billionaire, but now he lives, uh, in slums around the world, you know, prisons, um, un- until he's found by a man uh, named Ducard who represents the league of shadows and it's mysterious leader, Ra's al Ghul. And they offer Bruce what he's been looking for, which is a, a means to seek out justice because we learn that Bruce watched his parents murdered when he was a child. And so ever since then has, has struggled to, to find, uh, to find meaning in, in life. And the league of shadows gives him the tools to, to fight injustice. They teach him to be invisible. They teach him to fight. And, uh, he learns too late that they are, uh, uh, they have malicious intentions. They intend to destroy Gotham city. So Bruce rebels and destroys the league and kills Ra's al Ghul and returns to Gotham. Uh, where he uses his family's fortune to create a persona called the Batman that he uses to fight crime. Uh, and at first he's very effective in taking down the city's, you know, entrenched mob interests, uh, only to learn that uh, the League of Shadows remains, that they still have their sights set on Gotham, and that Ducard, his beloved mentor, was in fact a true Ra's al Ghul. And now Batman has to uh, stop them from releasing the Scarecrow's fear toxin in Gotham City and destroying the city. And he's ultimately successful, and uh, 
uh, in the end, they uh, he and Gordon learn, you know, of a, of a menacing new threat that we'll get to in a sequel. The end. That's Batman Begins. Yeah. You did really good. I feel like doing the synopsis for the Batman series has been like the same synopsis, like 10 movies in a row. This one's a little different, but the rest of them is like, well, there's a billionaire named Bruce Wayne. He's Batman. And... Yeah. No. So, uh, Emily, I, I, I won't ask you to do it right now, but we talked about you doing the numbers. So if you did not look up any numbers, you can pull them up on your computer here yeah, while we, it's not your job. You're not doing the numbers. No. Someone volunteered to do the numbers. What, what, like box office numbers? Yeah, I want to see the box office numbers. I'll pull them, I'll pull them up. We for quick. sure, you, you for sure volunteered last time, Emily. Did I? I mean, you were pretty drunk, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> What's really funny is that we could go back and listen and see. That's that. true. That's uh-huh. true. We could have a recording. Speaking of, do we have you know, that backup we, recording we, going? We don't, we don't have to, but one of our listeners can do that. Because yes. there's a few listeners out there who are probably hanging on to like every single word that we say. Yeah, I'd like to thank super fan Freddie Torres who listens to every episode. <laughs> Yo. Not only does he listen to every episode, he transcribes it in his bathtub. <laughs> That's a new one. He reminded me great. He reminded me great, uh, like in a great way that like being Ivy League educated and from Brooklyn is the greatest thing ever because I could knock you upside your head with logic, or I could just knock you upside your head. Whichever comes first. I don't give a fuck. That's but right. That- That's right. And he's done both to me. Um, yeah. Well, who wants to give any first impressions of Batman Begins? What do you guys think of this movie? I'll go first since I fucked up the box office numbers. <laughs> you didn't fuck up the box office numbers. I'm busting your chops with this. Oh. <laughs> so for me, I saw this. Um, it was kind of like, you know, when you watch movies and it's a different time in your life. Um and it kind of affects you in that sense, um, or it heightens it. For me, I was overseas in Australia when I saw this. Um, I was over there for a study abroad and I was getting ready to come back to the States. And it was kind of like that bittersweet moment where I was like, I don't want to go back because it's Australia. Um, But I was ready to go back, see family, friends. Um, But everybody in our college residential area They'd already left to go home, go back to wherever they were in Australia. But I had one friend, Graham, who was still around. So we went and saw it. And I don't think I was like in the right mindset to appreciate this movie at that point. Um, Because at that point, I was like, I want to go out and explore. I want to be out partying, seeing different parts of the country. Um, But now watching it again, I appreciate more the storyline. I felt like it was better... um, piece together than some of the other movies that we've watched here recently. Um, Very recently. (laughs) Yes. And the storyline of like more hope and it was more inspirational. Um, But at that time I just didn't appreciate it. So I was okay with this movie. I liked it. It's still not my favorite, but I, I was in a better mindset to watch it this, the second or third go around um, than I was initially. So that was my take on it. Got it. Nice. Jason, how about you? What do you think of this movie? Um, so I first saw this movie when it first came out in, in June of 2005. Uh, I had just got I had just completed my first year of college. Um, much like Emily, I didn't really I mean, I enjoyed the movie back then. And I've caught it on TV a couple times since then and just watched it in passing. But then I watched it again, like with almost full attention two days ago for this podcast. 
And not only does this movie like withstood the test of time so far, 15 years, you know, for 16 years or going on 16 years, but it's, um, you know, it, it's aged well. Um, the visuals are very good. It's a very, it's like a very gritty Batman. It's not too dark. It's not too bright. Um, the story isn't like all over the place. We, um, it ta- the movie takes about 53 or 56 minutes before Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. And that's not something you notice unless you're like looking at the clock. And that's a very, that's a very risky thing to do. Like now, you know, if, if you came out of the Batman movie, if you like, if you came out of the Batman movie within the next couple of years, that's like an origin story. Like say March fourth, two thousand twenty-two, for instance. Yeah. If we were to, if we were to come out with a Batman, Batman movie, yeah. Can you can you imagine not having Batman in the suit within the first fifty-six minutes of the movie, and then the movie's only got like an hour and ten minutes to go thereafter? A lot of I think a lot of people would lose lose attention. They would they would you know not they'd probably say a lot of terrible things about the movie. But um, Christopher Nolan, being the absolute, you know, rock star director that he is, pieced this thing together in such an artful way that you probably could have gone the full two hours and 16 minutes or whatever without him ever being Batman. And it would have been a good movie. Um, Christian Bale nails it. It's a little, you know, it's a little it's a little wonky when he's switching his voice back and forth between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Scarecrow was a good villain. Um, it wasn't too, you know, wasn't too over the top. Felt real, like it, like in the Batman. Um, and that's about it, really. You know, uh, Katie, Katie Holmes playing uh, childhood friend Rachel, who then grows up to become, uh, I believe, like a district attorney, right? Right. So I mean, just having them, having them to have that connection was good too. And then um, I know we had we had this like little text text thread going about how many times the name Batman was said in this movie and uh, it was a total of five times or four. Well, Carmelo and I were talking, it was either four or five times because we were unsure if a part was cut out, but um, it's in the script five times. I think it's only said it's in the script five times. It's in the film at least four times. Yeah. But um, yeah, you got this, you got this semi long ass movie. You have two cops say Batman. You've got Batman at, at one point calling himself Batman and then um, you have a detective in passing just ask about Batman. And then the one in question is towards the end when Rachel tells uh, Bruce Wayne that there's just not room for me, Bruce Wayne, and Batman in, in a life. Yeah, I think, they, I think they cut that line. I don't remember that yeah. line. But yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Omi, what about you? What do you think of Batman Begins? You're my, you're my bad expert, man. What do you got? Oh, man, I love, you know what? I, it, talk about where we were at while we were watching this. I remember I was working, and I only know this because of the situation. I was working on a Department of Health grant for about, I think, $1.2 million um, that day in my job. And I found out Batman Begins came out, and I wasn't even expecting it then, right? So I ran to the movie theater because it's about two blocks away from my job in the middle of the day. Right, like <laughs> I ran to the movie theater, caught me a ticket, or the first one there, and I'm watching it in the theater by myself until my phone starts blowing up. Like 45 minutes into it, right? He just made, just get over there, and they're like, "Yo, we need the stats, we need the statistics, we need this, we need this narrative, we need whatever." And I'm trying really hard to just like answer all the questions on the phone until I realize, like, I gotta leave. Fuck, I gotta leave. 
So before no. I left, yeah, I bought tickets to come back after six again. So I ended up watching that movie three times in the same day. Because then I told people, oh, I watched it. And they were like, oh, we wanted to watch it. I was like, let's go. Let's go then. <laughs> so I took everybody. Three days on the day it came out. I was in love. Um, it, it, it was just dope. Like, I, I didn't know... Uh, I didn't know it was coming out again. Another surprise. I, I don't. I didn't follow it as much. I knew who Christopher Nolan was. I think Memento already popped out. Like that was pretty fresh. Um, but you know, to talk about a Batman that like the fun and the now, especially now that we've seen the Batman, right? Like we could do, to have like this funner, this fun side of Batman, which is way more interesting. Um, Christopher, I mean, um, what's call it? Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale kills it. Alfred murders it. And my favorite of all time is Car- Carmine Falcone. He had me at that line that he said to Bruce, was like, you never tasted desperate. Like that was like, yo, like this is legit. So I was all excited about that stuff. And of course, like it nailed everything from the poppy seeds being the motive for Scarecrow and um, for my man, like that uh, Razagul, like connecting them, like that shit was so dope. Um, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate that people took my comic books from as a kid seriously. What uh, what comics was this based off of? You're the you're the you're my Batman comic guy too. Why don't we t- tell us a little bit about where the influences were for this movie? So Chris Nolan steals from a, quite a bit, and he does have his own verse. Um, this one definitely has a lot of long Halloween in, involved with it, like which I love. Um, the 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 I love the fact that Chris really made this his own and included. Yeah poppies as being the corner point and then also henry uh, ducard is actually a character from batman from back in the day in the 70s and he's part of the league of uh league of assassins um they changed the name for the movie as well but he's also a part so it's really great that they made that name shift uh to, from rachel ghoul to this and had that be the wordplay that we caught up of as the smoking gun that was really smart but it was coming from our character and it was it was going into deep tracks of the 1970s batman which yeah, I was, and it, like it works, right? Because it's not like, oh, this fake character clearly is an alias. It's like he was playing a character from the comics, yeah. you know, and, and one that was just just unknown enough where you could do this yeah. dual identity thing and no one would get all worked up about it. Um, of course, I thought, this movie, I thought like, the dual identity thing was a wonderful twist in this movie. Yeah, and, and that, I guess that sort of brings me to where I was at when I first saw this movie because nowadays, if we heard a rumor that they were going to pull a twist like that. Like nothing surprises me after Spider-Man, no way home. Like anything's possible in movies right now. But in 2005, I heard a rumor that, that Liam Neeson was the real Ra's al Ghul. And I heard it like two hours before I saw the movie. And I was like, never it'll, they'll never do. And I was convinced they would never do anything that cool. It's too good an idea. It's too brave. It's too bold. They'll never, ever do it. And then two hours and 14 minutes later, I was like, motherfucker. That was amazing. I had no expectations going into this movie. I didn't care at all because I was on the Michael Keaton train and I was like, Nope, if it's not Michael Keaton, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't care about any of this. I didn't watch the trailers. I didn't do anything. But I went to go see it, and like maybe like five minutes before the movie started, I was like, I am really excited all of a sudden. And from that first shot, which they filmed in Iceland, but that first shot of him, uh, of Bruce walking up the mountaintops, 
that's when I realized how different this movie was. This movie was epic. And like epic literally just means long, right? So like that's where that word comes from. But so to me, like the epic means that it has like a grand scale. And Batman's always like been in Gotham, but they had taken him now and they had, they had given him a place in the world and seeing on the IMAX, seeing the mountaintops. And then later that's, you know, that's juxtaposed with the mountaintops of Gotham, right? Of the cityscape. I realized they gave, him the, this, they gave him the sound of music treatment. They gave him the sound of music treatment. Chris Nolan. Yeah. How do you solve a problem like Bruce Wayne? And this, this is how he did it. It, it. it just worked so well because he made Batman's story feel important and huge and big, even though it's a very deeply personal journey. Uh, I think this movie is a masterpiece. It is my favorite Batman movie. I've decided I'm really glad I saw it right after the Batman because like the Batman is shiny and new and it's great. And I wouldn't change a frame of it, but now I can compare it to like this one and, and like this one I like better and I like it better because it does. It, it's much stronger thematically and character wise. You know, my, my wife said during this, the, the watching of this movie last week that, she likes the dark Knight better because she finds the plot more interesting and it is a much more like plot driven movie, but it really is just the Joker jerking everybody off for two hours and 20 minutes. This feels like a complete personal journey for Bruce. It's, it's the classic hero's journey formula and we'll go all into all this in a little bit. I, I won't rant too long, but like I could literally teach a 16 week course on this movie. Yeah, just- It kind of reminded me when you're talking about the landscape, like, uh, it, you said it was in Iceland. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I kept getting like pictures of like Conan the Barbarian or Red Sonia yeah. like backgrounds. That's kind of what it reminded me of in a weird way. I don't know if I was the only one that picked up on that, but no, I, I know what you mean. And he feels very much like a barbarian in this movie too. <laughs> yes. I mean, he he fights savagely. So like I did, I did watch the documentary on the fight system in this movie, and it's called KC which I guess means like from the heart and it's a really new fighting system, but it's, it's characterized by um, sort of a a slightly improvisational style, but a very like savage style. And it was meant to be, you know, from, you know, they, they take that literally It's supposed to be like in the moment you kind of go with your gut on the fastest way to like hurt somebody. And so it was very, it was a very efficient fighting style. Like Batman's not going to do, a spin kick if instead he can just headbutt you. And uh, the the editing around the fight scenes too, you know, complemented it. it. I didn't get it the first time I saw it, but the, the, the camera work in the fight scenes is so up close because all of the moves in KC are real tight moves. Like yeah. there's a lot of like, he does a lot of these elbows and he's like headbutting people. Whereas in movies, traditionally they like a style, like a Taekwondo where they're very big, very wide movements, right? They look great from a distance because they're these very theatrical moves that take up a lot of space. And KC is not like that. It's really up close. So it required all these really tight shots for, for Batman. And Nolan said he was trying to give you the sense of like what the, the bad guys felt like when he attacks, you know, cause he's trying to make it all believable. He's trying to make it look like this is, you know, feasible. No windmill fighting. <laughs> no windmills. I I would think also that's a way of like conserving energy too. If you can do those shorter movements instead of, uh, you know, the yeah. long wide movements. Sorry. Weird. That's a good point. No. Cause it, especially yeah. if you're like trying to sell me that Batman can fight like eight guys at once, 
he's going to be exhausted if he's doing like tornado kicks eight times in a row. Right. Like, you know, he's got to be able to just like crack someone upside the head with an elbow and knock them down and move on to the next guy. Otherwise, like, Oh, I'm not just eight. Rayshad Gould told him how to take down hundreds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hundreds of tornado kicks in a row. Hundreds. It's like when, you, like when you're playing like Mortal Kombat and you know like the one combo. So you just like keep hitting the same like three buttons. Like this works. Hundreds. No, I like it because like another part of it is like, you know, in fighting, if anyone's ever gotten into a little spat, like there's some unsaids that you, that, that you respect. And this fighting style itself says directly like whatever you have to do to take the person down immediately. You know, like, it's really clear that it's that. So, like, you know, if you have to bend someone's knee going backwards, Batman's down to do that. You know, if it has to be a collarbone, Batman's down to do that. Because, like, the objective is to bring you down, not to dance with your ass. Yeah. Um, so I loved it. I love that they gave Batman that style. I love him that, like, his mentor was uh, Ra's al Ghul. Um, and it's very Chris Nolan witty when uh, Ra's al Ghul makes Bruce his best friend. That yeah. he, point where he saves his be- his enemy off the, you know, the cliff the, yeah. during the avalanche. Like, it's very brilliant. Like, it's very, like, very Batman-esque, very, like, uh, Ra's al Ghul-esque. And Christopher Nolan's getting homage to that shit while we're introducing us to a new fight scene that could take down hundreds of people. Not eight. Hundreds of he people. Teach you how to engage 3,000. Yeah, I, um, so about Ra's al Ghul, the thing I was talking about earlier was this, like, this, like, hero's journey stuff. It, kind of revolves around like the Oedipal complex. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but that's why I have this theory. I want to share with you now. I have this theory that there are four great types of villains in fiction or antagonists, I guess is the better way to say it. And one of the four is the mentor. And this is Rosal Gould nail is the mentor villain here. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. there's, there's something about being trained by somebody and then having to, you know, turn on that person there's something about overcoming the person who teaches you and then becoming the master. That's like a key component in fiction, not just like Batman. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about Shakespeare. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about everything. Mentors. It's the, it's the foundation to every, every great Kung Fu movie. I mean, yeah. Right. It's like Kung Fu movies have built into them. The master, the sensei student relationship. Right. So like, that's just part and parcel of that format. And this is why I think because mentors make very compelling villains. They're, they're one of the four and, and of the four, I won't even say them all now, but Nolan's going to get all four of them in this series. So we'll talk about it as we do each of them. But uh, so, yeah, this is, this is the first. Um, and that's the, one of the many reasons I think this movie is just so perfectly crafted. I thought so. I, I, kind of going with the fighting style i feel like this was one of the first movies with a superhero that they tended to focus more on the body and the physique of the superhero i don't know if that was like a big thing before um but you know he's working out he's actually trying to become stronger and more fit mm-hmm. um and for me i remember christian bale before this movie came out from um reign of fire and at that time, that was like the one where everybody was like, Matthew McConaughey was the one that got jacked. Like, yeah. And then you had, I think it was what, in 2000, you had American Psycho. And I remember seeing that in the theater and just being like, what the hell is going on? But this guy is like in amazing shape. He's like shredded. Who is this guy? 
But then, like, what was it? A year before this movie came out, he was in The Machinist? Yeah, yeah that's right. He, he, dro- he dropped down to 95 pounds or something like that. Yeah, he, I, I read he was, he, like, eating a can of tuna, uh, apple, and a cup of coffee every day. And he dropped, like, 65, 70 pounds. And then to bulk up for this one, granted, he was not as ripped and as sh- shredded as he was in American Psycho, but just the back and forth. And then after that, playing in some of the other movies where he had to gain, like, a bunch of weight. Like, I can't imagine the toll that it has on his body now. Um, and even though he's not doing that as much anymore, but just that's where I started seeing where you had the superheroes men and women or whatever you want to identify as there there was something there was just more attention drawn to how they look um and i don't know if it started with this one um does anybody have any thoughts on that that's interesting because i think you're right i mean certainly the other batman were not in anywhere near this shape right they were all relying on on the armor the muscle suits christopher reeve was pretty built for superman but they don't make a point of showing him like, you know, shirtless yeah. or anything like that. And ever since then, you're right. These superheroes have all been like, yeah. Henry Cavill like turned it around on everybody. And it was like, now everybody's got to look a certain way. Yeah. almost like, and I think that's because Nolan was trying to make, see, I don't think this is a dark movie. I don't think it's dark at all. I think it's, it's, realistic i actually get super hopeful this movie and actually if you compare it to like the batman which is dark this movie has a ton of like light-hearted moments in it it's not silly but it's got a lot of light to it what it is is it's realistic or at least it tries it's to be it, it tries not to do anything that it cannot come up with some rational explanation for and the physique mm-hmm. is part of that right the the yeah. shreddedness and the fighting is part of like selling you that this is how you would be Batman if you could be, right? Like, if it were possible, this is the way it would be possible. But I'm really curious. You asked what kind of a toll it takes on a person, and we happen to have a medical professional with us. Jason, what <laughs> kind of toll does it take on a person? I Real real talk, you'd like, I'm surprised that uh, Christian Bale didn't suffer, like, acute kidney failure, acute liver failure for, for all this, like, up and down with the weight. But... You know, some people are just built differently, man. Just, you know, I, I'm sure it took a very like strong emotional toll on him as well. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, I mean, the human, the human body is capable of doing incredible things. You know, you can lose a hundred pounds and you could gain it, you know, muscle memory, you'll gain it right back, you know, with the proper training and diet. I mean, he got the paycheck to lose that weight and gain that weight. That's, I mean, that'll motivate my ass to stop. <laughs> shit you know what i mean yeah and i mean i mean if the studio is willing to pay you know pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a trainer to be with you you know 16 hours a day of course you're gonna have amazing results yep make my tuna sandwich i want to bring you at 95 pounds let's go (laughs) probably the most recent the most recent like um case of this would be like uh kumail nanjiani's transformation for um eternals yeah he was he was a highlight of that movie, and when I saw him like dancing, I could not fucking believe my eyes. Yeah, yeah, he's hot. Yeah, I mean, he was he was like he was generally kind of kind of I wouldn't say heavier, but he was just like a very soft looking person. Yeah, and then like he like posted that one picture of himself shirtless that like broke the internet. Yeah, he's hot. Again, I repeat, he's yeah, hot. Yeah, people uh, that funny should not also get to be that good looking. That's not fair. That's to yeah, right? like, 
You're breaking the matrix. In, in, Indian men in general don't look that good. So good for him. Oh, look who's talking, Mr. Handsome. This guy can't. I, I won't tell the story because I was told it in confidence, but this guy can't walk down the street without someone trying to buy him a drink. This fucking guy. <laughs> I heard like, you know, the, the, the readings that I heard about uh, Christian Bale was that uh, he came to the Batman set too big. Yeah, that's showed right. Up, uh, he showed up a little too bulky. Not, I heard not, it was the second one. Was it the first one or the second one? I think it was the first one because, like, Christopher Nolan had to send his ass home and be like, yo, you need to lose, like, 15 pounds dude, of muscle like, because you can't fit into the Batman suit that we set you up with, uh, like, six months ago. Yeah, and he was telling the costumers because the costumers, like, hear this shit all the time and they're like, no, nah, we, we make it the size that he is. And Nolan was like, no, if Bale says he's going to lose 10 pounds, he's going to lose 10 pounds. So, like make the suit the way he's going to be. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, and and the thing about Christian Bale, which is what makes him a convincing Batman, and this is something Chris Nolan had identified in him, is that, like, he... What Nolan said was, Christian Bale has a look in his eyes that makes you believe a person could devote himself with this kind of focus to a cause. And it's... I think Christian Bale does have that. I think he has that, like, Daniel Day-Lewis type focus that... When you, when this guy says I'm going to devote my life to fighting crime and I'm going to spend 16 hours a day training, I believe it. Like I believe his eyes when he says he's going to do that. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, quotes ever is from Gary Oldman that once said that like I'm not trying to be a celebrity. I'm not. I don't want to be famous. I want to be an actor, right? Mm. And it just so happens that these things come with it. But I'm dedicated to my craft, and I love those actors that like I think Christian Bell is up there because he's he's been in the game since he was a child. Uh, yep. And he's been playing uh, quite a bit of roles in every one of them. He's contorting himself to the character. Uh, mm. So this one just so happened to be Bruce Wayne that we're talking about. Um, but it, it better for us because his Bruce Wayne was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think that like every movie is a response to the previous movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so I definitely Batman movie is a clear response to the 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 out of crazy wacky Batman that we just left with with Batman and Robin. Yeah. We were able to get this one. And it was funny that Jason said it like, you know, we got 54 minutes of Bruce uh, training to be Batman. And then the, the Batman, we get Batman directly. Like we weren't about to see a, 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 another origin story yeah. of the Batman at any fucking year that he was in. So they're all responding yeah. to each other. I think it's dope. And that, that actually is going to work against DC when we get to some of the later movies because their reactionary mindset ends up hurting them. But in this case, it was a swing back to something really great. Um, while we're on it, then, you're talking about Gary Oldman and stuff, and we've been praising Christian Bale, but I think what makes this movie so great is like the supporting cast. Like Batman has other people to talk to and interact with who are interesting and have their own arcs which is like maybe why Superman is hard to do because in the comics, he doesn't have like a confidant like a Gordon or something, right? Like Batman's got a rich cast and I think all the guys in this movie, I think Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, even Katie Holmes, who she wouldn't have been my choice. It would have been Rachel Wise is who I would have put in this movie, but like these people were fantastic. I was surprised like just watching it again. I was like, holy shit. Like these are all like high, like, a-list actors like we weren't used to that really i mean some of them some of the past movies yes but i was like wow they really gary oldman i love gary oldman so i was like oh my god i forgot he was in this um yeah and i mean he's 
he's amazing. They're all amazing. I think everybody was really good in every position or every actor. They just did a great job. You know, that joke that's like, imagine you're walking down the street, someone yells cut. You've been Gary Oldman all along. That's how good an actor he is. <laughs> and then Killian Murphy, I had seen him. We do like weird things in our household. Well, where we, whoa, whoa, whoa. keep it PG 13. Whoa, whoa. We don't, I don't know about that. I never mind. I do no. want to know. Tell us more. Slow I down. want to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're like last year we would pick an actor or an actress and we watched three or four, maybe five of their movies that we haven't seen like in an entire month. Well, That's we cool. picked him and I can't remember which month it was, but we watched him in red eye, which was the movie. It came out the same year as this yeah. one. It's a good movie. But like, I forgot like how good of an actor he was. I've seen him in Peaky Blinders, but again, the only thing that I had seen him in prior to Batman Begins was 28 Days Later. And it was such a difference, like from being like this vulnerable person that's gonna be eaten by by zombies to, he just played that menacing Dr. Crane, just like, I'm better than you. Like he played that to a T, so. Real talk, like I'm hetero flexible. And one of the reasons is because of Killian Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) yes that dude man those lips Mm. but he tried out for batman he was gonna be batman and like i almost could have seen it he would have been like a he would have been like a pattinson i really think he would have like he would have had that like darkness you know how do you mute those beautiful blue eyes though how do you mute that (laughs) that's true yeah they'll have to use contacts or something batman with them crystal blues yeah (laughs) i was more interested in his character in this movie than batman uh, <laughs> I feel like we didn't get to see him a whole lot. The entire, you know, yeah, we did. It, it, is that you? Is that you? <laughs> yeah, we. I, I would have liked more. I would have liked more Scarecrow. I really enjoyed him in this, and he's a recurring figure in all of them, which I I totally dig. It made Gotham feel like a place with people in it, not just who's the villain of the week, right? Like I liked that the Scarecrow's around, but um, no, he was he was terrific. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, and I, I only because I heard of this once, and I never found another place to set it. This movie is supposed to set up the first attempt at a DC universe, and Sonny Murphy was supposed to play a bigger role in that. That's why we had the whole scientific. Yeah, I hadn't know, heard that. I've heard that once, which is like that was the issue that Chris Nolan was having that it wasn't like super realism, and that he had to put in this like you know sci-fi element into it. Because it was supposed to be a playing part of this whole Superman Batman thing back then, but so, I only heard it once. You know, if that's true, I, I wouldn't be shocked. But I, the Poppy thing makes so much sense, and it's so baked into the theme of the movie. Like the movie's about fear, right, and about mastering fear, mm-hmm. and that that's why the Scarecrow makes a natural villain, and that's why the Poppies in the League of Shadows role. It all it's very cohesive. It's not Mister Freeze and Poison Ivy run into each other. And say like, let's team up or like Sandman and Venom bump it literally just bump into each other in an alleyway. And they're like, Hey, we both hate Spider-Man. Let's team up. Like this was something where thematically there was a connection between the characters. And so I'd be very shocked if there was a, uh, a meaningful version of this movie that didn't have the scarecrow in it. Like I bet he came along really early in the process. Again, if anybody listening knows, let me know. I would have paid money, though, to see Christian Bale's Batman fight Brandon Routh Superman because I was all about that shit at the time. That would have really been something. I also want to mention Rutger Hauer. Yeah, man, that guy's great. Shotgun, 
like, oh my God, that was amazing. That made my day when I turned, when I, he came on the screen. I was like, oh. He's sorry. so good. <laughs> He's so smarmy in this movie. Piece of shit. Uh, what about Michael Caine? How have we not talked about Alfred halfway through this podcast? I was waiting for you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's, 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 one, he's, one of, he's one of the best Alfreds, if not the best. You know what? And that's saying a lot because he's in good company. We have not had an Alfred I disliked. I yeah. mean it. Yeah. 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 I mean, even with Bat Fleck, I wasn't a big fan of the Flex, but I was definitely a fan of the Alfreds. Oh, Jeremy Irons, man, is another guy I would. You know, yeah. 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 Wow. Is this the, what podcast are we on? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe for the last episode, we can rank all the Alfreds. Yeah. Although I want the last episode since it's going to be live. I want to do like a debate format. Like I want to rank all everything. I want to rank the best Batmobile. I want to rank the best Batman. And I want to rank the, I want to fight about it and like belligerently, like let's get real drunk and let us have it. You know? Yeah, man. Do, do you guys want to talk about this uh, military issued Batmobile that we got in this movie? We have it's to, we have to. Cyber truck. The Tumblr, right? Is the that tumbler. Yeah, the Tumblr, man. Yeah. Right. I mean, it works, man. It works for this world so perfectly. I liked it. It does. It looks nothing like a Batmobile. And that's what I thought was so great about it. That's what I liked about it too. I thought it was different. And I come from North, well, Virginia where we like jacked up trucks in certain parts of our state. And I actually owned one at some point in my life. So this, I was like, yeah, I'm all right with this. It wasn't my favorite, but I'll wait for the debate for that one. But I liked it. Are we? I'm guessing your favorite is the, the Camaro with wings that you just watched recently. In, in the Batman. <laughs> We're learning a lot about Emily. We've learned she's secretly a Southern Belle slash monster truck driver. And also that she has a thing for muscle cars. All right. All right. We're learning. We're learning. Uh, yeah. I mean, this car is awesome. I mean, it's not my favorite Batmobile stylistically. Like obviously the Keaton Batmobile is just like a beautiful machine. It's like, you know, but you, you also, it's different because we know what happens now in the sequels. But the first time I saw this, it worked for me as like, oh, this is going to evolve into the Batmobile. Like, this is it at first. Then it's going to get blown up and he's going to make it something that's more stylized later. So this worked for me as like the Batmobile Mark One. Unfortunately, we, we come to learn that this is the only Batmobile he'll ever have. Um, which is maybe the, the other problem with being so realistic, right, is Batman is very temporally limited. When we're done, these movies will have taken place over a, a nine-year period, and that's about it. Unless you count his childhood, right? Like, it, it's his whole life, I guess. But he's only Batman for nine years. And um, that's just the way it is when you're jumping off rooftops and you're trying to tell me that it's real. is like, he can't do it forever. So, anyways, this Batmobile was great. It was a great stepping stone to a, a sequel that didn't happen. And uh, I dig it. Yeah, I'm all about this Batmobile. I like how in all the movies, the screen in the Batmobile starts off really small, but then they slowly get a little bit bigger. And then this one, it seems like there's like five. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, it's just an iPad with wheels. Distracted <laughs> driving is dangerous driving folks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Tesla, like a, you know, a, a a there. I like, I like the whole R and D angle with all of this. Uh, for many years, Lucius Fox has been growing his character in the combos. Um, like, and even to a point where his sons, uh, both are wearing bat suits, uh, one being, uh, the Batwing and the other one being Batman now. Um, so that's really cool that they have him being the R and D lead, um, that let 
kind of exists, but also Batman suit. We get to see it grow. Did we lose Omi? No, he was was talking the whole time. You didn't hear him? I don't see him anymore. (laughs) Well, luckily for the people listening, they don't see any of us anyway, so. Are you okay? (laughs) We might start a YouTube channel if the video quality doesn't blow. I don't know. Uh, We're all here. What? We're all here. We're all here. All right. I hope you're. I hope you're recording we're, the backup. We're, all, we're all here, but you apparently. It yeah, seems yeah, that way. Yeah. I'm just gonna start hitting record every single time. I'll remember that. Yeah. Holy let's. Do, let's do that. <laughs> Speaking of God, good memories, good. before we get into the, our last uh, our last few minutes discussing this movie, what were we drinking tonight? What are you guys drinking? We should do this to kick off every episode. I think yeah, that's a sure. good idea. Yeah. Ooh, I'm drinking Highland Park 12 year single malt scotch. What do you guys got? That's good. It's so good. I'm drinking um, uh, Toad Hollow. It's Chardonnay. Nice. A nice dry white wine. Yeah, very good. Very good. Oh, you got like a Pellegrino over there, Jason? Is that a sparkling water you've been drinking? (laughs) I'm I'm drinking Sins of Your Father. No, you're right. I'm drinking a a Perrier. Nice. You know how it is. It's hard to get me to drink on weeknights, but... um, you, you got me last night. Yeah, that's true. I got Jason drunk last night. I don't know about drunk, but we drank. Um, and, and we're going out Friday night. So by the time you're listening to this, we'll have already died of alcohol poisoning. But, uh, <laughs> Omi, what are you drinking? Come on. I know you're not sitting there. I got nothing. I'm sober, man. I got to wait until later on today. Oh, I'm, my I'm, God. You we'll know, catch, doing- we'll catch up on the, the live drunk cast. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could rant and rave about Batman Begins and how great it is for, like, forever, but. There's, there's one, the one thing I want to say about it that I didn't yet is like, I've been doing a lot of, you know, screenwriting the last couple of years. And so I've been studying like this Joseph Campbell's like hero's journey. And this movie is, is, is the perfect hero's journey. First of all, this movie is a perfectly paced three acts. I don't know if you've noticed, but like I, I timed it. And at the end of each act, I paused it and looked and we were exactly one third further through the running time. Right. So this movie is like perfectly paced when he blows up the league of assassins and leaves. It's like the 45 minute mark when he, uh, actually loses to the scarecrow is the end of act two. Like that's uh, an hour and a half mark. Like it's just 45 minute third acts. It's really great in that way. Um, but the, the, thing that he hits on this movie that I love so much is this like concept of fatherhood. This movie's all about like fathers and the way the, like the Oedipal journey works in fiction is like, you have to have a falling out with your dad. And in this case it's Thomas Wayne dying. So he already doesn't have a father figure. Right. And then the challenge comes because you have, now you have two father figures. You have the dark father figure, Rosal Ghoul, which is why mentors are so great. And then you have the good father figure, which is Alfred and he and Alfred fight during the movie. Like Alfred calls him out about being Batman at one point. And in the end, he has to reject the dark father, right? He has to beat Ra's al Ghul. And then he has to reconcile with the good father. And that's how you like overcome that Oedipal urge to like kill your dad, right? It's like, it's not really about killing your dad. It's about resolving the conflict with your elder mentor. And in the end, Alfred, sure enough, is like, let's reinforce the Southeast corner where the Batcave is. Like, I'm, I'm on board now. Like, and so this movie hits on that just perf, just flawlessly. It is the, a perfect example of like the Oedipal stuff playing out in fiction. And I, I think it's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I agree. Yes. On that note. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, 
should we also talk about um, the box office success this movie had? Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, it was a hit, right? Like they made sequels, so like, yeah, what happened? they spent a, they spent one hundred fifty million. They made three hundred seventy million off of it domestic. But um, I think this movie was much popular. This movie became very popular well after its theatric theatrical release. I think with all of its merchandising, with Lego and things like that. I mean, the Lego Tumblr was like impossible to find for a very long time. You know. Yeah. Um, and this definitely opened the door for the two billion dollar Batman movies that we'll talk about in the next, you know, in the next upcoming episodes. This couldn't have been three seventy worldwide, right? This made three hundred seventy million domestic, right? Um, you know, uh, just according to the stats I have here, it just says three seventy three million box office. Huh. I uh. Yeah, I would be surprised if it didn't break half a billion domestic uh, worldwide. But maybe things, you know, it's it's a different era now. Most of these movies do a billion. But like that's the thing when you spend, you know, 150 million on a movie, you're depending on the fucking merchandising. You're not Crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's- confirmed. Um 371 worldwide. Wow. 205 million in North America. Huh. So that's crazy that like that movie was made for 150 and like this new Batman that I feel like is stripped down to a core costs like two hundred mil. You know, like yeah, that, that's fifty mil more. Even with inflation, that's a little bit much for me. Yeah, you know? I don't know, man. Fifteen years of inflation, maybe. Oh yeah, I forget how old this movie is. Holy now, this movie, this movie's pushing on seventeen years old, man. This movie's this movie's old enough to drive. It's almost old enough to vote. It's retro. Mm-hmm. So how's this for you? This movie is as far away. Like we are as far away from this movie as this movie was far away from Batman 89 when it came out. Like the nostalgia we had for the Batman 89 movie going into Batman begins. Like that's now Batman begins. That's how old it is. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Fuck. Man. And I can't believe it. I mean, Christopher Nolan movies are like gems, right? So like when you get one, you think it just came out like last week? Like this to this day, I can sit down and watch the Prestige. Oh, on, yeah, for a good week. Yeah, know? Prestige, Inception, Memento. I mean, all all of his movies aged incredibly well. Yeah, uh, it, Prestige is one of those movies I watched and put. I like wanted to watch it again as soon as it was over. Yeah, yeah. So I can't believe this is age. I mean, The Dark Knight, all of that. I can't believe we're putting some tracks between us and and that movie when it came out because. Mm. Put on today and still rock out. Like that's crazy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I and you know what? I, I, and I don't see like like he did the movie Interstellar. I don't see that movie aging in the next twenty years. You know. Yeah, that's mm. a good one. Oh. I had to laugh at one one part, and you guys can laugh at me. But when Scarecrow has that hallucinogen in his system, and he's seeing Batman as like full like monster makeup was it just me or did anybody like remember the wishmaster movies oh shit that's what it looked like to me he did look like wish the (laughs) wishmaster he got the maggots and all those maggots coming out of his like mouth and eyes (laughs) sorry i thought that was funny i was like wait a minute i paused it no (laughs) (laughs) see now okay yeah 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 I'm down with that. I get that. Yeah. This movie was funny. I, I really was surprised how many times I laughed. And again, it's not like in a silly way, but like Nolan knew how to break the tension up 
and you and you see it especially when Bruce is with Alfred as always, right? It's like yeah. oh, oh yeah, the next ten thousand cowls will be up to specification. Oh well, at least we'll have spares, right? Like why did you do a hundred push ups if you can't lift a log? Yeah, right. It's <laughs> like it's it's not like, you know, laugh track funny, but it's like you need those to break the tension in a movie. Otherwise it's just miserable. And uh, that's why I don't think this is a dark movie. I think it's just a you know, realistic in tone kind of movie. But. Uh, we, the wit of uh, Lucius and Alfred really kept us on our tees. Like, you know, I was a big fan of, of Lucius, like dropping his gems in there and then Alfred, you know, pulling everyone's chain from time to time. That was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Has anybody else had, and Omi, you, you, since you're a huge Batman fan, you probably see it all the time. But ever since we started doing this, everything revolves around bats and Batman. Like, I am I keep coming across things. I just went to a sandwich shop here in Tulsa called uh, Dracula Sandwich. And everything <laughs> is about bats. Everything. You have been consumed by the bat. Ugh. I mean, there's a psychological reason for that. But also... Yeah, I mean, we did timely. I had a conversation with someone at a party where they were like, DC has so many more characters. Why do they focus on Batman? And my my, my genuine response is shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, yeah, because the Blue Beetle movie's not going to do... I mean, I guess they're making a Blue Beetle movie. But, like, like, you know. but he's like, they have so much IP, which is like Marvel... And he was defending Marvel and saying that Marvel like has this... You know, it flexes his muscle and, and uses all its IP and goes to different corners. You know, hence like you know, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy came out of nowhere. Eternals came out of nowhere, um, and that they're really spreading their wings on that end. And DC keeps Bat on Batman. Yeah, and I'm saying Batman is Batman. Like you know, shut up. Like no, no one asked you. You know, um, but I'll keep the bat. So I'll keep going with that. I'm a happy guy. It, it is disappointing though that DC like for like 30, 40 years, 50 years, the best they could do is they're like, we have Superman and Batman and we're not going to bother with anybody else. And yeah, granted, like those are the clear winners, but like, I mean, that's what, that's what Marvel did with Spider-Man for literally like four decades. Well, for four decades, they did nothing with Spider-Man, right? Like then we got three Spider-Man movies. Sony did, but by the time Sony was doing amazing Spider-Man, like Avengers was out. So like Marvel made moves after Spider-Man, but they didn't. Marvel was not, like when Iron Man came out, that shit was not a dope movie, a, like a, a big blockbuster movie. That shit was like a B movie at best that like blew up and then became the the MCU. You know, like yeah, I, and Iron Man, Iron Man was a B minus character at the time too. It's true. Yeah. I remember when they they were went into production and Avi Arad said like, "Oh, Iron Man's gonna be the movie that blows the doors off the Spider Man franchise." And remember at the time, Spider Man was like. It, was, it broke every box office record. It was like the highest grossing movies in, in years. Like it was, and I was, I love Iron Man. And I thought there's, this guy's out of his fucking mind. Like Iron Man is never going to be more popular than Spider-Man. And yet now I, I feel like Iron Man's a household name now, but maybe yeah. we'll deal with that in a, uh, in a MCU episode for our purposes. Like Batman's the household name. And it's just like, I get it. And he is by far the coolest like DC character, but you know, it would have been nice to have seen a Wonder Woman. It would have been nice to have seen Flash. Like, it's 2022, and we still haven't seen a Flash movie, you know? Yeah. Get it together, Flash. We're watching. Get it together, DC, man. Like, fucking... 
Jesus it, Christ. And then they, they put together this fucking sizzler reel that's like the year of heroes 2022. And the first one comes out and all the other three get pushed back to 2023. You bunch of fucking hand jobs. Like they, they put this whole thing together. 2022 is our year. Black Adam, Flash, the Batman, Aquaman. All of them now 2023. It was like the promises are coming out like they were running for office, man. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. They just they, they just did it they just did it for the for the likes and the comments. That's uh, all. Yep. And then yep. they did that freaking um they did that DC fandom thing where they're like, okay, let's talk about our movies coming up. And then uh, Ezra Miller and The Rock both said the same thing, which was like, oh, we don't have enough footage for a trailer, but we took special time to talk to the director and we made a special clip just for you. Here it is. And and they played like six seconds of the movie. It's, It's terrible. And the problem is like, that's not the IP's fault. That's the owner's fault, right? Yeah. Like Marvel's like, Marvel got Disney money. Like that mouse got loot. You know what I mean? Like he is... And you're right, but DC's owned by Warner Brothers, and I I would argue they are a reactionary, short-sighted studio, and now they're owned by AT&T. So you have a a reactionary, short-sighted corporate parent who owns a broke-ass comic book subsidiary, and they're all owned by a greedy, corporate, faceless machine, right? Like, it's the fucking worst possible situation. At least Disney put, like, Kevin Feige on, on Marvel, and they were like, here's a human being to care about this. And he does, and he does a good job. Don't get me wrong. That mouse definitely goes to the strip club with $5 bills. Oh, yeah. He's making it rain. Yeah. He's he's dirty. You know, it's just just different when AT&T – I mean, AT&T even talked about stopping the monthlies just recently to, like, boss. So I can tell you stories as a comic retailer. Like, AT&T's been awful in the short time they've owned DC Comics. Like, you think there wouldn't be changes, but there were. Um, AT&T, we're still interested in sponsorship if you're out there. Obviously, yes. This podcast is very pro AT&T. If you'd like to be endorsing the Cult Classic Comic Show, we will happily cash your checks and redact this episode. Yeah, make sure you make sure you send the checks to uh, Cult Classic, P.O. Box 1. <laughs> That's right. Lamont, Illinois, 60439. And, and you should send all of your hate and love mail there. Uh, please note, I do not personally open the mail, so if you're trying to assassinate me... That is not the way to do it. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm the one that'll be screening the mail. That's right. So So if you you want to kill Jason. hearing from me, the mail got me. professional, right? You should be screening the mail, right? So we're good. Yeah. Uh, I think that concludes our episode, mostly because we all just agree on how awesome Batman Begins is, so there's nothing to fight about. Uh, Let's end with, uh, what did you watch this week? Omi, I know you got a jet, so what did you watch this week? And then you can take off. You know what? I was in love with the Reacher uh, uh, this week. Uh, oh, does it have that that complete snack from Titans uh, Hawk on yes, it? Yes, it does, and it became snackable. Mm, like it's mm. man, this is this is our podcast coming out right now. I love. Yeah, this. I feel like I'm coming out on this podcast. <laughs> so um, yeah, he's there, but he is the Batman we deserve as well because he gets it done. Like he's yeah. real. So I've been watching that. That's good. Nice, nice. Emily, what you been watching? Um, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot because I was trying to explore Tulsa a little bit, but I did manage to put on 1987's Throw Mama from the Train. I was on a, the DeVito train, so hey, I watched great. Billy Crystal, and it was a lighthearted comedy that I could uh, enjoy. 
Nice. Have you ever seen Strangers on a Train, the Hitchcock film it's based on? I don't think so, no. The exact opposite in tone. Um, <laughs> Jason, what you been watching this week? I'm watching uh, Bad Vegan on Netflix. I heard it's good. Curious it is pretty good. I'm still slogging my way through uh, Shit's Creek, which is great, and uh, rewatch of Game of Thrones, which uh, I'm in season three, which is my least favorite season because it's just oh, everyone's miserable. It's like there's not even like a bad guy making everyone miserable. Everyone just life just sucks for everybody in this season. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're back next week with uh, The Dark Knight. So um, please tune in. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, we might need to set aside an extra like 10, 15 minutes. I have a feeling. Yeah. I will not forget the numbers. <laughs> well, well, next time I want well, to report. Can't, you, can't, you can't forget a billion dollars. That movie made a billion dollars. Yeah. We're there. We just okay, did the numbers. I, I What I really want next time is I would like a breakdown of like, not only how it did, but how did the others do? And like in context, you know, because the other movies were all sensations, right? So like was this really bigger than the rest or was it just inflation and so forth gave us the big B and you know, in 89, that would have been the same. I don't know. Like anyway, I'm not trying to give you homework. I'm just curious, but thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. See you next Bye. time. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Cult Classic Comic Show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That's what helps us reach new listeners and keep the show going. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chimera's Comics, or join our Facebook group at Chimera's Comics Community. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.